Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Republicans are stupid. They are unpatriotic, simple-minded. The real world is just a fantasy basketball draft faceplant about the return of Brittany Griner yesterday has not only reaffirmed that Republicans are stupid, but it is also underscored that on the rare occasion when a glimmer of smart might somehow sneak through, Republicans will deliberately pretend to be even more stupid than they are in order to appeal to their stupid base full of stupid people. Some are born stupid, some achieve stupidity, and some have stupidity thrust upon them. Like, you know, Peter Ducey, the legacy hire that Fox News inexplicably sends to get humiliated by the press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, at the White House every day. In this prisoner swap, why did Russia get such a better deal? Look, you know, I've talked about this, uh, and I'll say this again. Here were our choices. Our choices was uh, Brittany or no one at all. Bringing home one American or no American at all. And, and that's that. Professional athlete. We gave up a prolific arms dealer who was convicted of trying to kill Americans, who was called the Merchant of Death. The professional athlete is also an American citizen. So let's not forget that. But he was a higher draft choice. The president of the United States, any president of the United States and his diplomats managed to extract an American hostage from Russia during what is a proxy world war against Russia. And this bonehead 
son of a bonehead, says it was a bad deal because he personally has determined it's a bad deal, thus the only possibility is that it is a bad deal. Weaponized Republican stupidity. Trump went stupid on the Griner release. Quote, why wasn't former Marine Paul Whelan included in this totally one-sided transaction? He would have been let out for the asking, unquote, except... Whalen was seized by the Russians on December 28, 2018. Thus, Trump had two years and 22 days as president to get Whalen back. And since Trump insists Whalen would have been let out for the asking, the only possible conclusions are either that Trump never asked or that he asked and he was turned down and he's now lying. Either case makes Trump look stupid. And Trump bringing his failure up and reminding everybody about it is stupid. Why? Why is that the first knee-jerk move to invoke your own stupidity? Could you imagine if President Trump caved to Putin like this? Wrote the ex-Trump doctor, now Congressman Ronnie Glug Glug Jackson. President Trump would never make a deal like this. Exactly, Ronnie. Trump never did make a deal like that. And Whalen has been in a Russian prison ever since. Why do the fascists go stupid? What about retired Marine who has been unjustly detained for years, Paul Whalen, asked the lame duck Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger, reverting to type. Surely an arms dealer is worth two innocent people. Again, this isn't a fantasy sports league trade. How flat out stupid. And why address Whalen's supposed innocence or anything about his background? I mean, he was court-martialed out of the Marines for attempted larceny, lying, dereliction of duty, more weaponized Republican stupidity. He's an American. Let's get him home. Don't bring up his relative innocence. The swap and her perception that it benefits Russia is, quote, another reason to impeach Biden, says Marjorie Trailer Park Green, who, of course, wants to give Ukraine to Russia. Again, like you could tap her on the knee with a reflex hammer and her stupid bone would vibrate. Why? There are only a thousand other examples, only from yesterday. Stephen Crowder, who must daily face the shame that he works for the idiot Glenn Beck, brought up, quote, the talent pool is incredibly shallow in women's basketball. A kid named C.J. Pearson, who works for PragerU, that is supposedly academia and not a curse word. Oh, yeah? Well, PragerU! Quote, Brittany Griner kneeled, Paul Whalen served. Guess which one we left to rot in a Russian prison cell? Again, Whalen was court-martialed. The last president left him there. This one is still trying to extricate him. But again, the through line here is the stupidity. I would read more of these, but you know we can't do this all day. And the stupidity is clearly not just a bug, it's a feature. The Republican Party, the home of fascism in this country, starts still with somewhere around 20 percent of its membership believing Trump will somehow be reinstated because he is the president right now. Of course, if he is the president right now, he can't run again in 2024. And to be reinstated would require, and even Trump himself said this, termination of the Constitution. Try to terminate the Constitution and you are in a state of insurrection against it and the government can just send the military to subdue you. It may be their plan, and as I said yesterday, we should roll it up and Trump with it as soon as possible. But ultimately, it is still a pretty stupid plan. 
And then come the stupider people. Half of Marjorie Taylor Greene's tweets contain a hilarious mistake which befits somebody whose head looks like a carved Halloween pumpkin come to life. We know she wanted Trump to institute, quote, martial law, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, like in Marshall Mathers or Marshall University. When she referred to a congressional meeting of only members, I was relieved she hadn't written members only. And of course, there are the true lunatics. You saw the woman who insisted that there is no President Biden, that he is being portrayed by Jim Carrey and James Woods wearing masks. How stupid is that? As if you couldn't cast somebody better than James Woods. But she did underscore this obsession the farthest of the far right have with disguises and reappearances and especially reincarnations. At least they think this is possible. It is, I suppose, one thing to believe that John F. Kennedy is coming back, senior or junior. It varies from week to week and nut job to nut job. But it is quite another to spend actual money on a campaign sign using his name. The latest Republican miraculous return is supposed to be Princess Diana. And if you somehow got past what for me is a full stop barrier, these people are dead. You might wonder why the liberal JFK or the even more liberal JFK Jr. or the still more liberal Princess Diana would come back and have anything to do with Trump besides kicking his ass. But this would require a logic, a non-stupidity lost on a group that listens to Trump Trump, who on the same day this past summer demanded Biden take a dementia test, Trump mindlessly claimed he aced, and then moments later, Trump endorsed something named J.D. Mandel in the Ohio Senate Republican primary, which was not quite J.D. Vance and not quite Josh Mandel. In sum, the triumph of Republican stupidity is so complete that the best of the latest jokes is... You could get them to support eliminating the Electoral College just by telling them they teach CRT there. Sadly, the jokes and the sheer inanity that inspire them obscure an awful reality. Whatever stupidity Republicans don't achieve naturally, they supplement. They are at abyss levels of stupidity in this country, and I truly believe this is a choice. The stupidity is a language all its own, a reverse superiority, an indecipherable code impervious to logic or intelligence, and I am not the first to postulate this. The Lutheran pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, could have been writing about Taylor Green or Herschel Walker or the entirety of QAnon or anybody who spent the pandemic doing their own research. Stupidity, the pastor wrote, is a more dangerous enemy of the good than malice. One may protest against evil. It can be exposed and, if need be, prevented by use of force. Evil always carries within itself the germ of its own subversion in that it leaves behind in human beings at least a sense of unease. Against stupidity, Pastor Bonhoeffer writes, we are defenseless. It's as if Bonhoeffer were trapped in a room with Lauren Boebert and Tulsi Gabbard. Quote, Neither protest nor the use of force accomplish anything here. Reasons fall on deaf ears. Facts that contradict one's prejudgment simply need not be believed. And in such moments, the stupid person even becomes critical. 
And when facts are irrefutable, they are just pushed aside as inconsequential, as incidental. My late friend George Carlin made a million observations on this exact topic, but the most pertinent might be one of his classic statistical observations, like the fact that literally someone somewhere is the world's worst doctor and worse, somebody else has an appointment to see him tomorrow. To our point, George noted that if you consider the intelligence of the average American or the lack of intelligence of the average American, it is truly terrifying to realize that that means half the people in this country are even dumber. In all this, Patrick Dietrich Bonhoeffer continued, the stupid person, in contrast to the malicious one, is utterly self-satisfied and being easily irritated becomes dangerous by going on the attack. For that reason, greater caution is called for than with a malicious one. Never again will we try to persuade the stupid person with reasons, for it is senseless and dangerous. Quoting again, upon closer observation, it becomes apparent that every strong upsurge of power in the public sphere, be it of political or religious nature, infects a large part of humankind with stupidity. The fact that the stupid person is often stubborn must not blind us to the fact that he is not independent. In conversation with him, one virtually feels that one is dealing not at all with a person, but with slogans, catchwords, and the like that have taken possession of him. He is under a spell, blinded, misused, and abused in his very being. Having thus become a mindless tool, the stupid person will also be capable of any evil and at the same time incapable of seeing that it is evil. This is where the danger of diabolical misuse lurks, for it is this that can once and for all destroy human beings. End quote. Pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer didn't just write all this, he lived it. What I have read you, he wrote, inside a German prison camp. He was a double agent serving as a domestic spy while also sabotaging the very Nazi spy networks he supervised. He was part of the group that tried to assassinate Hitler on July 20th, 1944. They hanged Pastor Bonhoeffer on April 9th, 1945. The stupid people hanged him three weeks to the day before the one all the stupid people looked up to, Hitler, killed himself. Against stupidity, we are defenseless. The stupid person, in contrast to the malicious one, is utterly self-satisfied and being easily irritated becomes dangerous. But as always, the weapons we have, the only weapons we have, are to be found in truth and the willingness to use the words we have been given. These people... Republicans, fascists, they are stupid. The last time their stupidity was overlooked, ignored, apologized for, they coughed up Hitler. The last time they were allowed to run one of the most powerful nations in the world, they nearly destroyed the world. We begin to fight them by not being afraid to draw the link between modern stupidity and modern Hitlers, by not being afraid to call the stupid stupid to their face and dangerous. 
This we must resume. At some point in this country, we stopped shaming stupidity. We stopped looking at the Peter Ducey's and the Marjorie Trailer Park Greens and the Elon Musk's and saying, no matter what their power or influence or success, we must call them what they are. They are still stupid. And in their brainless response to something as straightforward and positive as the rescue of Brittany Griner, they are stupid. Let us never flag in our exertions or our willingness to call them that. Still ahead, the Justice Department wants a judge to find Trump's gang in contempt of court because it is convinced, even after the latest find, that he is still hiding classified documents somewhere. Congressman Paul Gozar's spokesman says only a fool would believe he doesn't believe in the Constitution. And the spokesman is so committed, so believing in his boss, that the spokesman will not give his name to the media. And James Thurber's grammar school, where he was a scholar in the fourth grade and the rest of the class was between 16 and 22 years old. And their baseball team was good enough that they figured they could beat Ohio State. I went to Sullivan in Fridays with Thurber. That's next. This is Countdown. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Still ahead on Countdown, Fridays with Thurber. I went to Sullivan. I went to Sullivan was my father's favorite Thurber story. It is of an educational world in which kids could be forced to repeat the fourth grade for a year or two years or 20 years. Coming up, first in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need. You can help. Every dog has its day. Let's talk about Moon in New York. Moon is a calm, sweet-faced German shepherd with gentle eyes. She was not just homeless, but as she wandered the streets, limping due to a bad leg, she was getting skinnier and skinnier, and nobody did anything. The Trina and Friends rescue finally grabbed her, and just in time, she was literally starving to death. Moon is safe now. But in addition to time to recover, she's going to need antibiotics and treatment for the bad leg and eventually a loving home. They're doing a fundraiser on Cuddly for Moon, and you can find Moon there, or you can find her on my Twitter feeds. I thank you, and Moon thanks you. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Washington, there was more to that discovery of even more stolen classified documents in a Trump storage facility in Florida this week. The Washington Post reports, A, the Justice Department is still convinced that Trump is still hiding more classified documents somewhere. The Post also reports the Justice Department has asked a judge to hold Trump's office and lawyers in contempt of court for failing to fully comply with the subpoena from May to turn over everything classified and sign a new document guaranteeing that everything classified has been turned over. The impeccable Ryan Goodman of Just Security underscores one quote in this report from The Washington Post. Trump's side has taken the position that such a request is unreasonable, that no lawyer could sign such a blanket certification in good faith or advise any client to do so. But Goodman notes that in June, after the semi-cooperative search at Mar-a-Lago, Trump's own lawyers drafted and signed exactly that kind of blanket certification. And it wasn't accurate. And Evan Corcoran, Trump lawyer, wrote it. And Christina Bob, Trump lawyer, signed it. And Trump has since demoted Bob back to being a talking head on Trump, Trump propaganda TV. Dateline, also Washington, there are at least five people about whom the 9-11 committee is considering making criminal referrals. Trump, obviously, his chief of staff and coup henchman Mark Meadows, and three men who might also be charged for being the dumbest lawyers in the universe. Jeffrey Clark, John Eastman, and Rudy Giuliani. This per CNN. It is notable, and it has been noted, that the criminal referrals really don't mean anything. Any evidence the 9-11 committee has might mean something. Not so with the referrals. You could make criminal referrals. In fact, why haven't you? 
Dateline, Moore County, North Carolina. The lights are back on. The blackout caused by domestic terrorism against two power substations there is almost 100% over. Still no arrests nor explanations, especially since an anti-LGBTQ activist who boasted about knowing why it happened, referring to a drag show, was visited by the county sheriff who, instead of interrogating her, prayed with her. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, bunch of late baseball free agent signings. Mets center fielder Brandon Nimmo returns to New York. He gets eight years, $162 million. There's a political joke there. We'll leave it out. The Mets also signed free agent reliever David Robertson, who finished last year with the Phillies, who began his career with the Yankees. Red Sox fans are still ready to sack Fenway Park after star shortstop Xander Bogarts walked away from their last place team to join the San Diego Padres. And Jason Hayward, who when he reached the Atlanta Braves back in 2010 was thought to be the game's next superstar, has signed with the Dodgers. It is a minor league contract with an invitation to spring training. He is 33 years old now, and his buddy and fellow former Braves star prospect Freddie Freeman is the very well-paid Dodger first baseman. And from football, former San Francisco 49ers star receiver says he is ready, willing, and able to return to his original team and help out and catch passes for them. Terrell Owens, T.O. is 49. He broke in in 1996. He caught his last NFL pass in 2010. No idea if the Niners are interested, but this would not be some sort of a record. The NBA Cleveland Cavaliers reached out to the great Wilt Chamberlain, who had not played basketball in seven seasons and was then 45 years old and tried to talk him out of retirement. And five years later, the New Jersey Nets called Wilt when he was 50. Ahead, Fridays with Thurber and his childhood at the Sullivan School in Columbus, Ohio, where several players on the middle school baseball team were between the ages of 16 and 22 years old. First, the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze Jim Jordan, not even in power yet and already lying in Congress. Representative Eric Swalwell asked him about a tweet on the House Judiciary Republicans account, the home page for which notes it is run by Jim Jordan. The tweet, the infamous Kanye Elon Trump tweet. Jordan's response was... Do you denounce your tweet the, praising the, uh, Kanye West? The, we, that tweet was on our account. And that tweet has time has expired. So, uh, no, it's my time. That was not on our account. Uh, You know, Jim, the top photo on the page, it's just a graphic reading. House of Representatives Judiciary Committee ranking member Jim Jordan. And the description reads, official Twitter for the House Committee on the Judiciary Republicans established 1813 ranking member Jim Jordan. But it's not their account. But Jim Jordan still knows it was removed. Liar. The runner-up, oh look, it's an audio daily double today. Eric Trump, moron twin number two. 
Eric did a streaming show with this woman, Julie Green, who claims God tells her what's going to happen next, only she's gotten everything wrong for the last two years, meaning God is either pranking her or she has a tumor. Anyway, Eric explained how he serves his Lord by making his kids say the Pledge of Allegiance. I wake up at 4.30 in the morning, every single morning. I say the Pledge of Allegiance to my five-year-old and my three-year-old. In fact, they say them now, um, and they do so beautifully. And then I say the Lord's Prayer, and I say two other little family prayers that we have. And then I make them say something that's meaningful to them. I do this every single night at 7.45, no matter where I am in the world. If I can't be there, I'm doing it. On FaceTime with, with my wife and kids, they see my yeah, and, 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 and honestly, guys, that's how I live a clean, positive life. Uh, of course, between 4.30 in the morning and 7.45 at night, Eric Trump spends his time siphoning money away from cancer charities and back into the Trump organization. But our winner, Congressman Paul Gozar, the dentist who always behaves and looks like he's just emptied an entire tank of his own laughing gas... Congressman Gozar is desperately trying to avoid blame and maybe arrest after his tweet Wednesday praising and endorsing Trump's call to terminate the Constitution or parts of it. I support and agree with the former president, Gozar wrote. Unprecedented fraud requires unprecedented cure, unquote. Or at least it did until Gozar deleted the tweet without any explanation. Now there's an explanation. A Gozar spokesperson, spokesman is the actual identification, told the website The Hill, quote, those who claim either Trump or Congressman Gozar don't believe in the Constitution are acting in bad faith or are low IQ people unable to comprehend our language or our actions, end quote, said the spokesman who refused to give his name to The Hill website. The spokesman for Paul Gozar, so supportive of the congressman and confident he's not going to be arrested that he wouldn't give his own name today's worst person in the world! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. 
You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. number one story on the countdown and Fridays with Thurber and I don't know when I went to Sullivan became my father's favorite Thurber story I suspect it was in the hospital when I was reading to him in the last six months of his life I know I read it to him at least half a dozen times the first five by his request the last time he did not request it in fact and this is the most perverse kind of compliment I think any writer has ever received I read this story to him. It was the last thing that I read to him. In fact, it was the last thing he did on Earth was to listen to this story in a state of semi-consciousness. He waited till the end of it. He took one deep, satisfied breath, and he died. I don't recommend this, but I think it does speak to the quality of the writing. I went to Sullivan by James Thurber. I was reminded the other morning by what I don't remember, and it doesn't matter, of a crisp September morning last year when I went to the Grand Central to see a little boy of 10 get excitedly on a special coach that was to take him to a boys' school somewhere north of Boston. He had never been away to school before. The coach was squirming with youngsters. You could tell after a while the novitiates, shining and tremulous and a little awed, from the more aloof boys who had been away to school before. But they were very much alike at first glance. There was, for me, in case you thought I was leading up to that, no sharp feeling of old lost years in the tense atmosphere of that coach because I never went away to a private school when I was a little boy. I went to Sullivan School in Columbus. I thought about it as I walked back to my hotel. Sullivan was an ordinary public school, and yet it was not like any other I have ever known of. In seeking an adjective to describe the Sullivan School of my years, 1900 and 1908, I can only think of tough. Sullivan School was tough. The boys of Sullivan came mostly from the region around Central Market, a poorish district with many families of the laboring class. The school district also included a number of homes of the upper classes because at the turn of the century, one or two old residential streets still lingered near the shouting and rumbling of the market, reluctant to surrender their fine old houses to the encroaching rabble of commerce and become, 
as alas, they now have more vulgar business streets. I remember always, first of all, the Sullivant baseball team. Most grammar school baseball teams are made up of boys in the 7th and 8th grades, or they were in my day, but with Sullivant, it was different. Several of its best players were in the 4th grade, known to the teachers of the school as the Terrible 4th. In that grade, you first encountered fractions and long division, and many pupils lodged there for years like logs in a brook. Some of the more able baseball players had been in the fourth grade for seven or eight years. Then, too, there were a number of boys who had not been in the class past the normal time, but were nevertheless deep into their teens. They had avoided starting to school by eluding the truant officer until they were ready to go into long pants, but he always got them in the end. One or two of these fourth graders were 17 or 18 years old, but the dean of the squad was a tall, husky young man of 22 who was in the fifth grade. The teachers of the third and fourth had got tired of having him around as the years rolled along and had pushed him on. His name was Dana Waney, and he had a mustache. Don't ask me why his parents allowed him to stay in school so long. There were many mysteries at Sullivant that were never cleared up. All I know is why he kept on in school and didn't go to work. He liked playing on the baseball team. And he had a pretty easy time in class because the teachers had given up asking him any questions at all years before. The story was that he had answered but one question in the 17 years he had been going to classes at Sullivant, and that was, what is one use of the comma? The commie, said Dana, embarrassedly unsnarling his long legs from beneath a desk much too low for him, is used to shoot marbles with. Commies was our word for those cheap 10 for a cent marbles, in case it wasn't yours. The Sullivant School baseball team of 1905 defeated several high school teams in the city and claimed the high school championship of the state, to which title it had, of course, no technical right. I believe the boys could have proved their moral right to the championship, however, if they had been allowed to go out of town and play all the teams they challenged, such as the powerful Dayton and Toledo Nines. But their road season was called off after a terrific fight that occurred during one game at Mount Sterling or Piqua or Xenia. I can't remember which. Our first baseman, Dana Waney, crowned the umpire with a bat during an altercation over a called strike, and the fight was on. It took place in the fourth inning, so of course the game was never finished. The battle continued on down into the business section of the town and raged for hours with much destruction of property. But since Sullivan was ahead of the time 17 to nothing, there could have been no doubt as to the outcome. Nobody was killed. All of us boys were sure our team could have beaten Ohio State University that year, but they wouldn't play us. They were scared. Waney was by no means the biggest or toughest guy on the grammar school team. He was merely the oldest, being about a year the senior of Floyd, the center fielder who could jump five feet straight into the air without taking a running start. Nobody knew, not even the Board of Education, which once tried to find out whether Floyd was Floyd's first name or his last name. 
he apparently only had one. He didn't have any parents, and nobody, including himself, seemed to know where he lived. When teachers insisted that he must have another name to go with Floyd, he would grow sullen and ominous, and they would cease questioning him because he was a dangerous scholar in a schoolroom brawl, as Mr. Harrigan, the janitor, found out one morning when he was called in by a screaming teacher, all our teachers were women, to get Floyd under control after she had tried to whip him, and he had begun to take the room apart, beginning with the desks. Floyd broke into small pieces the switch she had used on him, some said he also ate it. I don't know, because I was homesick at the time with mumps or something. Harrigan was a burly, iron-muscled janitor, a man come from a long line of coal shovelers, but he was no match for Floyd, who had to be sure the considerable advantage of being more aroused than Mr. Harrigan when their fight started. Floyd had him down and was sitting on his chest in no time, and Harrigan had to promise to be good and to say, "'That's what I get!' Ten times before Floyd would let him up. I don't suppose I would ever have got through Sullivan School alive if it hadn't been for Floyd. For some reason, he appointed himself my protector, and I needed one. If Floyd was known to be on your side, nobody in the school would dare be after you and chase you home. I was one of the 10 or 15 male pupils in Sullivan School who always, or almost always, knew their lessons. And I believe Floyd admired the mental prowess of a youngster who knew how many continents there were and whether or not the sun was inhabited. Also, one time when it came to be my turn to read to the class, we used to take turns reading American history aloud, I came across the word Duquesne and knew how to pronounce it. That charmed Floyd who had been slouched in his seat idly following the printed page of his worn and penciled textbook. How you know that was Duquesne, boy? He asked me after class. I don't know, I said. I just knew it. He looked at me with round eyes. Boy, that's something, he said. After that, word got around that Floyd would beat the tar out of anybody that messed around with me. I wore glasses from the time I was eight, and I knew my lessons, and both of those things were considered pretty terrible at Sullivant. Floyd had one idiosyncrasy, though. In the early 1900s, long, warm, furry gloves that came almost to your elbows were popular with boys, and Floyd had one of the biggest pairs in school. He wore them the year round. Dick Peterson was an even greater figure on the baseball team and in the school than Floyd was. He had a way in the classroom of blurting out a long, deep, rolling for no reason at all. Once he licked three boys his own size, single-handed, really single-handed, for he fought with his right hand and held a mandolin in his left hand all the time. It came out uninjured. Dick and Floyd never met in mortal combat, so nobody ever knew which one could beat, and the scholars were about evenly divided in their opinions. Many a fight started among them after school when the argument came up. I think school never let out at Sullivan without at least one fight starting up, and sometimes there were as many as five or six raging between the corner of Oak and Sixth Streets and the corner of Rich and Fourth Streets four blocks away. Now and again, virtually the whole school turned out to fight the Catholic boys of the Holy Cross Academy in Fifth Street near town. 
for no reason at all. In winter with snowballs and ice balls, in other seasons with fists, brick bats, and clubs. Dick Peterson was always in the van, yelling, singing, beeing, whirling all the way around when he swung with his right, or if he hadn't brought his mandolin, his left, and missed. He made himself the pitcher on the baseball team because he was the captain. He was the captain because everybody else was afraid to challenge his self-election, except Floyd. Floyd was too lazy to pitch, and he didn't care who was captain because he didn't fully comprehend what that meant. On one occasion, when Earl Baddock, a steam fitter's son, had shut out Mound Street School for six innings without a hit, Dick took him out of the pitcher's box and went in himself. He was hit hard, and the other team scored, but it didn't make much difference because the margin of Sullivan's victory was so great. The team didn't lose a game for five years to another grammar school. When Dick Peterson was in the sixth grade, he got into a saloon brawl and was killed. When I go back to Columbus, I always walk past Sullivan School. I have never happened to get there when classes were letting out, so I don't know what the pupils are like now. I am sure there are no more Dick Petersons and no more Floyds. Unless Floyd is still going to school there. The play yard is still entirely bare of grass and covered with gravel, and the sycamores still line the curb between the schoolhouse fence and the Oak Street car line. A street car line running past a schoolhouse is a dangerous thing as a rule, but I remember no one being injured while I was attending Sullivan. I do remember, however, one person who came very near being injured. He was a motorman on the Oak Street line. And once when his car stopped at the corner of six to let off passengers, he yelled at Chudy Davidson, who played third base on the ball team and was a member of the terrible fourth, to get out of the way. Chudy was 14 years old, but huge for his age, and he was standing on the tracks taking a chew of tobacco. Come on down off of that car and I'll knock your block off, said Chudy in what I can only describe as a sullivant tone of voice. The motorman waited until Shooty moved slowly off the tracks. Then he went on about his business. I think it was lucky for him that he did. There were boys in those days. I Went to Sullivan by James Thurber. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. If you're not following or subscribed or whatever to this podcast, please do so. And please stop somebody on the street and get them to as well. Maybe we could make this podcast popular in prisons. Here are the credits. Most of the music, including our theme from Beethoven's Ninth, was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. They are the Countdown musical directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. Produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc., Musical comments from Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad. Everything else, pretty much my fault. So that's countdown for this, the 703rd day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him now while we still can. 
We'll have a new edition Monday. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.